following program contains language and subject matter that you may consider unsuitable for children. Parental discretion is advised. Greetings, Earthling. Uh, His Highness the Jackal. The Jackal. I'm going to pass the reins to Mr. Jackal, the new king of radio. I think Jackal's a Latino. I'm not sure, but he'll give it to you again. The Jackal. Welcome one, welcome all, welcome friends, welcome foes to another episode of Inside Angel Espino's Head. That's right, this is the Angel Espino Show, brought to you live by PSN TV, and of course, PSN Network Radio, and SoFlow, um, I think Global Enlightenment Radio Network. Thank you all for spending your Easter evening with me here on the big show, and hopefully we have a smooth sailing from here on out. Little technical issue there getting online, but you know, that's the way it goes when it's Easter Sunday. So, hopefully, everybody's sitting back, enjoyed a beautiful Sunday. I uh, had a lot of eggs, a lot of festivities with the family, and uh, right now, you all are enjoying a nice beverage and a nice holiday retreat. Tonight, we're going to talk to Nathaniel Gillis during the second part of the hour and what we're going to talk about is nothing more than spooky demonologist ghostly activity why that during uh such a special evening like uh easter sunday why not i mean after all it is april 4th 2021 and it's an odd holiday because Easter, you know, we, we dress it up with bunny rabbits and eggs and colorful, uh, you know, kitty-friendly stuff. But when you think about what you're celebrating, it's, uh, you know, it's Passover and, it, it, you know, it really has to do with, like, the death of Jesus, doesn't it? Like, I mean, it's kind of weird, but uh, we celebrate all kind of weird holidays here in this country. We celebrate, of course, the Night of the Witches during Halloween, which that is in itself has always boggled my mind. I did see a funny movie recently about Halloween uh, called Hubie Halloween, which uh, was uh, with Superstar, the one and only, Adam Sandler. I know some people don't like Adam Sandler anymore. I'm still a fan. I still, you know, chocolate lettuce movies. And uh, Hubie Halloween, if you guys haven't seen it, it's a very funny movie. Highly recommend it uh, if you like Adam Sandler movies. If you don't like Adam Sandler movies, eh, it might not be your thing. But if you do, it might be right up your alley. So it might be something you might want to take a listen to, might want to take a look at. But with that saying, folks, I want to thank you all again for spending your evening here with me and uh, making this your choice of engagement. You have a lot of things you get to be distracted with, a lot of other things like uh, movies, TV, sporting events. But somehow, some of you chose to spend the night here with me and listen to my ramblings. And then to a uh, much more intelligent guest than Nathaniel Gillis, who, uh, again, is going to be joining me here within uh, probably a few minutes. Uh, some info and some news and stuff, but I got going a little bit late again. Had a little bit of a technical hiccup. Uh, now, to let you know who Nathaniel Gillis is, he is a religious demonologist and author. Um, he said, now this is directly from his quote, it says, After living in a haunted house, Nathaniel spent over 20 years researching what is, what it was he encountered. 
Nathaniel is the founder of of Prima, pre uh, preternal. Wait, hold on, I'm, I'm butchering this. Preternal, uh, and I'm gonna definitely uh, butcher the next couple of words. Preternatural epifermental philosophy. I'm gonna get him to say that later on. Nathaniel has sought to redefine the nature of of hunting of the hunting phenomenon. Yeah, uh, when it comes to ghosts and high strangeness and uh, activity of demons, uh, he is often quoted in the demonic possessions, and he has a, a fantastic book that I suggest everybody go out and check out. It's called A Moment Called Man, and his skin that crawls. Again, A Moment Called Man, and the skin that crawls, and you can check out his website at N J Gillis. Dot com again that's njgillis.com and as in uh, Nathaniel J as in Jorge and of course Gillis G I L L I S dot com so check out his website he'll be with me on in a few minutes here and uh hopefully we have a great show with him I know we will he, he you know I've been uh, listening to other podcasts with him on it and uh he's a fantastic fantastic guest and uh, he has a lot of expert, uh, you know, opinion when it comes to the whole demon, demonic uh, possession and stuff. And I'm going to share with him a story that happened to me when I was, uh, when I first arrived to America from uh, from Cuba. And then we went to California for a little bit, New Orleans, and then Florida. And uh, when we ended up in Florida, uh, we lived in a demonically possessed home. And... You know me. I'm agnostic. I don't. I was raised Jehovah's Witness, but I don't follow religion. But this place was definitely haunted. And uh, I'm gonna see what Nathaniel uh, thinks about this. Maybe he has a uh, uh, insight of what. Uh, maybe I'm right. Maybe it was demons what we were experiencing. Maybe uh, he has a, a group of uh, investigators who want to go check out the place. It's still uh, a, the 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 house is still there. In fact, I visited it not long ago, and uh, you know, didn't go inside, but I went by the area and I saw it, and uh, it looks exactly the same. It's still a big yellow house. Uh, the paint is all like messed up, but it looks like it's the people living there, which uh, it's incredible in itself because when we moved in, it, there was no uh, living there. I mean, you really couldn't live there, and I, you know, there's no living there, which is pun intended, but. Uh, you know, it was really tough to just stay there because of the uh, activity. So that's going to be fun. We're going to talk to Nathaniel about that in a few minutes here as I get going. Uh, I'm not going to share much as Easter Sunday, like I said, and I, you know, I'm running a little bit late here on time. So we're going to skip the uh, story portion of the show and go directly into a commercial break here in a couple of minutes so I can get Nathaniel on and uh, continue with the interview because I'm, I'm really, uh, and pun intended, dying to get him on the show so we could talk to him and uh, and you know really uh, flesh out what he believes in when it comes to demonology, ghostly activity, the paranormal, heck, even UFO uh, investigations, because I think he, you know everything is parallel uh, to this universe, and I think everything has kind of a little bit to do with everything. So with that said, folks, I'm gonna hit a, a quick commercial break. We're gonna come back in a couple more minutes. Uh, with the guest, Nathaniel Gillis, who's going to join me for the at least an hour, maybe a little bit longer, depending on how it goes. And hopefully, again, 
you all already because we're going to have some spooky conversation, spooky stuff. So make sure you don't get scared. Make sure the kids are in bed, tucked in nice and safe. And make sure that you have the lights turned off because that's the best way to hear spooky radio. I remember as a kid listening to Art Bell and the spooky uh, you know, episodes when he had the demonologist or the EVP people on. And it always was best to listen to Art Bell with the lights off. Made it even more creepier and scarier. So with that said, folks, we'll be right back. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Angel Espino Show. And uh, here we go again. We're live on Easter Sunday, and we're about to get into some very spooky stuff with my guest, the great one and only Nathaniel Gillis, who is an expert demonologist. Like I said, I mean, this uh, gentleman is a religious demonologist and author. After living, in, like I said earlier, in a haunted house, Nathaniel spent over 20 years researching what he encountered. And Nathaniel is the founder of the, uh, and Nathaniel, you're going to have to help me with this because uh, this is tough for me. Pre-naternal, natural, natural? Preternatural. Preternatural. I'm Cuban, so you gotta, yeah. you got to understand. Some words <laughs> fly over my head, brother. Even though I was raised in this country since I was two, some words just, they're a lock. <laughs> so it's preternatural, and the other one is epiphenomenal. Am, mm-hmm. I, am I close on yes. that? Epiphenomenal? Yeah, yeah, you got it. Ep- All right. Epiphenomenal ep- philosophy. Yeah. Epiphenomenal uh, <laughs> philosophy. <laughs> Nathaniel, well, thank yeah. you so much for uh, being here with me tonight, man. I love uh, the fact that you uh, you spent Easter Sunday with me, and uh, you're here, uh, mm-hmm. you know, on a holiday, which is always special, and uh, a holiday like this, talk about demons and ghosts. Yeah, yeah, not a problem. Trust me, I'm probably going to get the better end out of the deal tonight, so I'm, I'm honored to be here. <laughs> Are you telling me you weren't looking forward to some eggs in Easter? Oh, man. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, man. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. It's, it's, it's always good. It's always an honor to discuss this research. You know, it's obviously a passion of mine, so it's, uh, you know, it'll be fun. Definitely, definitely. We're going to have a blast here tonight for the next hour or so. Uh, you know, let's give the audience a little bit of a rundown because I'm always fascinated when people get into the subject of demonology, ghostly, paranormal activity. Me, myself, I had an experience that I'm going to share with you in a little while, but I want to get your take first on what got you involved in this subject. Okay, so I grew up in the Christian tradition. And um, I went to a local church all my life till I was like 18, and then my dad started pastoring. Uh, but what had happened to me was at the age of nine years old, my parents had moved into a new house in Dayton, Ohio. And even as early as the open house, um, there was activity there that I encountered. Like, like I remember walking in with my dad, and he's like, you know what, son? He goes, take a look around the room. This is going to be where you're going to be living once we move in, he said, I'm going to go in the kitchen with your mother and the realtor. And so I'm just kind of poking around, you know, as a kid. So I'm opening up the closet, trying to figure out really where I was going to put my toys, like my, my gaming system and everything. And uh, for some reason, I was drawn to the bed. And I just knelt down underneath the bed and I pulled the blanket up. And when I did, I was met face to face with the first full-bodied apparition I've ever seen Wow. And, uh, yeah, man, it was, it so was pretty they, traumatizing. But, so they didn't wait. They were, like, right from the very moment you go, you're, like, seeing yeah. things. Oh, wow. Absolutely, absolutely. And so, uh, 
yeah, I, I pulled the flap open, or I call it a flap, the uh, blanket up, and <laughs> there was this, it looked to be a six-year-old girl. She had long black hair, beautiful, beautiful princess-looking girl, and uh, she had a white linen dress on. And when our eyes met, both of us kind of recoiled. I did, and then she shimmied her little body all the way back up to the wall to where she was the furthest she could from be from me. And um, so, you know, what I did was I encountered those entities in that house, and it just, you know, it made me want to get into this field, and we can, you know, talk about some of the other manifestations I witnessed as well. You know, it's funny, Nathaniel, uh, and uh, one of the reasons I wanted to start off with that question is because, uh, you know, I've, I, I play devil's advocate on the show, and I pretend like I don't know you know, the history sometimes of the audience can kind of hear from <laughs> yeah. the other uh, guest. But the reason I wanted to lead in with that is because you're, you share with me kind of a, a storyline uh, with, uh, yeah. with the way you were introduced to demonology and to uh, ghostly activity. It's very similar to my mm -hmm. story. And I don't yeah. normally talk about, you know, this subject much because it, it's kind of an eerie situation with me. Because, uh, mm -hmm. like you, I experienced it when I was like eight or nine years old as a kid. And we mm -hmm. had just moved into a home here in Florida from living in California for years. And mm -hmm. uh, the house we moved into used to be a funeral home in the 70s and 60s. Oh, oh no. Yeah, and it, it gets pretty uh, pretty good. Uh, the moment that we walked in, I felt like something was off in the house. Uh, but I didn't see anything like you right away. That was the only thing. It took a couple of days for me to start seeing things, but I was the first one that mm -hmm. saw something. Uh, but funny enough, we were walking in, and I'll never forget this, Nathaniel. We were walking in, and the neighbors, It's a, it was a duplex house to begin with. It was, you know, two, it was a house it split into two and had mm -hmm. three rooms each house. It was big duplex. And mm -hmm. when we walked in, the neighbors were walking out. They were, like, moving out. And we were like, why are you moving out? The rent is like 250 300 bucks a month. It's cheap, huge house. <laughs> and they were like, you'll see. But they wouldn't say anything. <laughs> and That's how it always starts, right? You're like, yeah. Sweet. You'll see. <laughs> you'll find out. Don't worry. And we were like, yeah. uh, well, that's kind of weird. Maybe there's rats or rodents or, you know, like, you know, some kind of like bug infestation or something. That's what my dad mm -hmm. thought. They were like, well, maybe there's a lot of bugs. We just have to get like, you know, some bug spray or something. And we didn't think anything of it. The moment we moved in, like I said, when we were walking into the house, it just felt weird. It it like yeah. it felt like you were walking into a vortex or not a house. You know, like it was weird. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, it took about a week before I started seeing things. Then my brother started seeing things. He got a little mm -hmm. bit more worse than I did. My dad was the last mm -hmm. one I saw anything. And the funny thing is, he thought we were all crazy. Until he started experiencing stuff, and then he's like, "Oh, I guess we're all crazy." <laughs> this yeah, shared yeah. thing. <laughs> no, somebody's like, "Well, what if you know we're not crazy?" Because I, I, I yeah. have that same stigma in my own mind. You know what I mean? Yeah. Growing up in such an environment, it's like, okay, am I going crazy? <laughs> you know, because I would wake up at nighttime and hear a full blown conversation above yeah. my head. Man, I did. I had the same thing, and it was weird because I couldn't, ex <laughs> I couldn't like understand what was being said half the time. And and I and when we found out it was a, an old funeral home, it made sense because you know who knows how many different people, um, mm -hmm. you know, died that went through there from different cultures, different backgrounds, different religious beliefs. 
uh, and different ethnicities, you know, races, whatever. So, I mean, I could have been hearing like Chinese for all I know, and, and I wouldn't even right. know. Uh, now, the, the funny thing is, though, I started experiencing that as a kid. My brother was next. He was a little older than I. And as I've done mm-hmm. some research over the years, and you had your experience as a kid, it seems that's a pattern. You're, like, kids tend to be more open yeah. for this, right? Yeah, yeah, especially. And usually it's kids that are empathic. Mm. And you know, a lot of times what these entities will do is they'll pick up on the future giftings of these these babies you know and then they'll try to end them before they even start like like the entity i encountered in that house uh in my mind in my opinion it was someone who had committed suicide oh wow um yeah man i mean it wasn't just like okay let me back up and say this it wasn't just the little girl that i experienced that day at the open house when i walked into that room initially Initially, I could smell like yes. a stench. It was a rancid stench. It smelled like rotting, like decomp. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. I, and people yes. don't understand that it's not, it wasn't just a smell. I mean, it was a profound, heavy feeling. And 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 I, I had to live with that, you know? It, was it, it, it was something awesome. like, this is kind of like the, the same kind of thing that happened to me. Was it like when you were in, the, say, in... in the presence of a body of a person who passed away, you know, that, that smell after yeah. the, the composition yeah. starts and they put the embalming fluid in the person or whatever it is, the fluid mm-hmm. is to keep them preserved. That like rancid smell. Is that what you were smelling in there? Exactly right. Exactly. That's right. exactly yeah. what I smelled also in the house. And it was consistent and never went away. No matter what we did, it no, would never, never, never go away. Nothing would take it away. And it was, it was so unique because, you can tell people what you experienced, but unless they've experienced the same yes. thing like you have, it, it's hard to even articulate the kind of presence that that offers. I mean, it wasn't just a rancid stench, but there was consciousness to it. Yes. There was a life form that was basically in that house with me. And, you know, I, I think that the experience, I saw shadow figures. Um, there would be a, a smoky apparition that would kind of slide through my door at night and then collect itself in the corner of the room. But, you know, the only way I had survived that encounter was by rationalizing it and saying, okay, the best I could. But <laughs> rationalizing <laughs> it and saying, you know, maybe it doesn't want me to be afraid. Maybe I'm afraid of it because I don't yet understand it. And so uh, at 9, 10, 12, about between 9 and 11, 12 years old, I began to think of this manifestation as a language mm. that I was misunderstanding. And that was really the only way um, I was able to coexist with it because, I mean, my God, there would be such a presence that would fill the room. It would make me feel like I was the smallest molecule in the universe. That's how it would make me feel. It was just an incredible, incredible visitation. Now, did you ever get a, an idea of how many possible uh, entities were in the house? I think it was just one. Just one? Okay. I think it was just one. Yeah. And I believe that it was located downstairs in the basement in a small bathroom that was directly underneath my room. Mm. And but, but so whenever the, I would go down there, I would... Mm-hmm. But the question, with that one entity, were they, because you said you saw shadow thing, beings also... Um, do you think maybe they they were attractive entities or just passed by or? Um, no, I think they wanted to victimize me, 
at least it did. I mean, I, again, I believe this was one entity that was manifesting in different forms. Oh, okay, I got you. Uh, yeah, so like there was one one year where I failed a grade in school because I couldn't sleep, man. Like I, I was having the same nightmare for weeks on end, mm -hmm. and the nightmare consisted of me floating into this uh, basically like a, a reserve at a park where people would have a family reunion, and um, as I was just floating towards a picnic table where there were two young men sitting on it with their backs turned towards me. And I was a young, young kid, so I had no idea what addiction was or drugs or anything like that. I didn't even know what pot was. <laughs> okay. Until I met a neighbor. Until I met a neighbor who bought my silence by buying me a bunch of stuff. <laughs> I, mean, I swear to God, okay, literally, this is really funny. It's a funny, funny anecdote. I didn't know what it was. He just pointed out a, a weed one day, and I just thought it was like a weed. He was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't tell anybody about that." I'm like, "I don't even know what it is." So it never, you know, never bothered me. So, but um, you know, so I was very innocent. Um, but nevertheless, you know, I'm, I'm having dreams, nightmares of this young guy. He's on this. Uh, Oh God! Whatever it's called, this um, picnic table, and he's got a he's got a needle in his arm, man. Oh wow! And yeah, and then his his buddy next to him notices that I'm approaching, and he turns around, looks at me, and grins, sticks a black three fifty seven magnum in his mouth, and pulls the trigger. Whoa! Gee. And that yeah yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, I mean, you know, that, that was a repetitive dream. It never changed. It was like, it was just on a loop or something. So you, do you think maybe that was the uh, the entity that was in the house was the uh, person who, got, who was shot and killed? It could have been. It could have been. You know, uh, it's funny because often dreams do reflect, uh, when, especially when you're in that environment. Um, I do believe that, that they, and that's what they can enter your dream, but they can manipulate what you're dreaming about to give you kind of like a scene of like the event that happened to them. Since they can, mm -hmm. you know, express it visually because they're in another realm. Um, yep. So, I mean, they, they subconsciously, I think it will, will make it a little bit easier for them to manifest uh, certain ideas or visuals or part of their mm -hmm. storyline. Unless you're, you know, yep. really psychically in tune and you kind of like visualize when you're awake, I think. Uh, but at that yeah. age, yeah. I'm sure you're, you're still kind of like scatterbrained and like trying to figure out what exactly all this means, I'm sure, because... That's what happened to me. Yeah, I mean, yeah. when everything was happening, I was like, what does it all mean? Why are things moving right in front of me that are not supposed to be moving? Why is the TV turning yeah. on and off yeah. by itself? What's going on? <laughs> exactly right, my man. And it's, you know, it's difficult to wrap your mind around what you're experiencing at that young age. And more or less, you know, that, that pushed me uh, face first into this research, mm. trying to understand what it was I encountered and why it is that the Christian tradition I grew up in, it, this whatever we're dealing with, it doesn't fit the dogma right. anymore, or at least it never has. And we're going to get into that here soon. But um, yeah, so that's what really put me into this field. And now I'm searching for behavioral patterns in, in serial killers. Mm. Um, I'm looking for different ways they're manifesting and what they believe in versus what we think they do. And so that, that'll be where I anchor. That's interesting because serial killers, you would think, would have maybe not them so much, uh, even though mm -hmm. it would make sense that they would uh, manifest more into ghostly demons because, you know, how evil they were. Uh, but you mm -hmm. don't hear a lot, like, for example, of, like, the ghost of Jeffrey Dahmer or, you know, the, the mm -hmm. ghost of Ted Bundy or these murderers, serial killers. Uh, 
you know, you just don't hear uh, often about that, but it would make sense because, uh, you know, if they die and there is an afterlife and you get the uh, the mm-hmm. light, one way you know going up or going down, uh, you know, if you if you're a murderer, it's a good chance that uh, when you go up, they might send you back down, and you you might not want to make that trip. So you you, you might want to stick around and just walk the plane of the earth for eternity. Uh, out of fear of yeah. going and burning for eternity, do you think that that ha- that could happen to some spirits? And why don't we see uh, or hear more about manif- manifestations when it comes to like serial killers, for example? Um, I think that the Catholic Church, in my mind, has stifled a lot of this, a lot of the evidence and a lot of the data samples. I should say, mm, yeah, um, a lot of it. And I say that respectfully. You know, I, I have friends who are in the Catholic tradition, and I, I love them and honor them, and they're pretty much the greatest exorcist alive right now. Mm, yeah, <laughs> but that doesn't yeah. mean that there are cases that doesn't fit their blueprint that are thrown by the wayside mm-hmm. or not acknowledged by the church. And, and like, even if we get into the phenomenon of what possession is, um, it is the possession of a disincarnate spirit. That's what it's right. always been. Yeah. I mean, didn't they, um, for a long time, the church wouldn't even acknowledge, uh, the, uh, exorcisms, like they wouldn't even talk about it at all. For a period, yeah, yeah. Right until the 16th century yep. that they, you know, started changing their exorcistic rites and really adding a lot of history into their exorcisms. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, what I, what I want to go back to, man, is, is this whole idea of possession and what it is and what it's not. Um, it was the disincarnate ghost of a being, of a human being. And, and we know that because just like you and I were talking earlier about the smell of consciousness yeah. or yep. that decomp, well, we're not the only ones in history to experience that. They've been experiencing that phenomenon for thousands and thousands of years Yeah, yep. to the point that the Bible calls them unclean spirits, mm-hmm. tumarua, which means that literally their, their consciousness, but they also smell like the corpse that they left. Yes, and that's what we're you know it's very interesting. That's part of the reason why we have the term uh, cleanliness is next to godliness. Exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly right. You know what I mean? Some yeah, smell like that. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people don't get that, but if you smell like crap, you, you probably smell like death. <laughs> exactly right. I'm about to get possessed. You wash up there, Joey. You stink. <laughs> yeah, you smell it right like the Great Depression. You might want to take a shower. <laughs> Just saying. Well, yeah, call me Larry Leviathan. There you go. <laughs> We're about to hit the event horizon. That means two weeks without a shower. That's not good. That's, That's not good at all. <laughs> you know, it's, speaking of which, uh, you know, it, it, it's fascinating when you talk about the smell and the, the aura and all that stuff. I wondered throughout, you know, history, though, because, um, we, you know, we've had a lot of history where people have, you know, claimed to see demons, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, manifestations, uh, ghosts, mm-hmm. these different activities. Um, I wonder if it's all just human beings or if it's a cosmos mm-hmm. thing where all beings from you know all over the universe that have mm-hmm. souls go through this kind of thing because I've also experienced you know with talking to people that have had afterlife experiences or have had near death experiences mm-hmm. and have seen other sides and they claim to have seen beings that look almost alien uh, to mm-hmm. them like some mm-hmm. you know gray type aliens some people like say they yep. see uh like little small beings with hats on them running around and people who do ayahuasca mm-hmm. and a lot of these other you know drugs to 
enhance the mood uh, who hallucinate to that point also mm-hmm. mention these kind of little beings that they see in their uh, their visions or their visuals. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if we're tapping into maybe that part of you know the other side where there is you know a cosmic array of uh, of beings because you know if we all come from God, it would make sense mm-hmm. that everything that's sentient and intelligent and has a soul would go back and mm-hmm. forth and maybe we're all kind of like intermingling in the cosmos. So what do you think about that? I think it's a strong possibility. And because, you know, we do have Terrence McKenna's work where they mm-hmm. took ayahuasca and other, um, what I call additives. <laughs> yeah. And they, you know, they transcended into a dimension where they're encountering entities that don't really fit this world. Right. And, and, I mean, we can even dive right headfirst into Ray Fowler's work, where mm. he works on how, you know, like alien abduction, it seems to be a near-death experience for yes. many yeah. experiencers. Yeah. And, of course, if you're looking up and you see a, a gray with, you know, these big bug guys looking right at you, you, you know, you're not mm-hmm. normally, say, a couple hundred years ago, when you're not normally uh, thinking about aliens, you're going to think demons right off the bat. Oh, so check this out, man. Dude, this is just nuts, okay. Um, now, in Gebekli Tepe, mm-hmm. they have what are called I-idols. They're idols that have no mouths. All they have are large eyes. Wow. And if, yeah, this just gets really intense because this is going to go into uh, the afterlife study that I'm on. But uh, so, you know, anthropologists and archaeologists alike agreed with the idea that, number one, these were not just eye idols, but they were ancestor idols. Mm. Now, yeah, they're often mentioned in the Bible um, with idolatry and stuff, but uh, this is very interesting. So so the, the idea was they believed that their ancestors, after they died, would come back and have the ability to speak to them, not through their mouths, but through eyes. Interesting. We would call that telepathy. Right. Isn't that incredible? Yeah, yeah. It's that, <laughs> that's psychic connection. That's a psychic uh, way of speaking, telepathy. Yeah, that's definitely what it is. Uh, but again, you know, yeah. back then, what would they know? You know, they wouldn't know uh, the, the language is different. You know, they wouldn't know how to describe that. Which I think that's, exactly. what, that's what happens a lot in history. You know, there's a lot of uh, confusion because of the way we describe things and the way we, we label these events, mm-hmm. but I think a lot of this stuff is interconnected. I really do. Uh, from the UFO phenomenon yeah. to alien and ghosts and all that stuff. Yeah, I, I believe that too. Now, I'm not like one. I'm not a 100% proponent to the unified field theory, but I do believe a lot of this is connected. Mm-hmm. Um, now, let me say this: it's it's really cool because when I started getting into this research, the very first thing I realized was that number one, demons, according to biblical antiquity. And according to Mesopotamia, they were not just, uh, you know, semi-divine beings who fell from some Mount Olympus. Right. They were people who died, and they were liminal in their existence. So they were living in between two worlds. Mm-hmm. And so when I got into that idea and that, that understanding of this, that's when I started looking at ancient funerary rites, manuscripts, and afterlife traditions. And everything that we're experiencing right now regarding ufology, UFO abduction phenomenon, and possession, all of it 
was perceived through the eyes of the ancient ancestors mm-hmm. as afterlife phenomena. True, yeah. yeah. It's very interesting. So, I mean, it's possible that what we're witnessing in the UFO abduction is not just that they're, uh, you know, they're abducting bodies, but it's like Ray Fowler said, that they're literally peeling souls out of people and abducting the soul itself while the body remains. You ever That's seen... wild. Yeah, that is crazy. You ever seen the movie Phantasm? I haven't, but I'm already now I know. Yeah, it's uh, highly recommended. It's from the 70s. It's uh, about a, a funeral home, and they will take the bodies of the dead, and uh, they will put them in these uh, kind of like... Uh, Tubes, like those smaller tubes, cryo, cryo chamber, or something. Kind of, kind of something like that. And they would send them to another dimension, uh, which was mm-hmm. the afterlife dimension. But they were able to tap into that dimension through Earth through a uh, form of technology, and they would ship mm-hmm. the bodies there for the soul harvesting. And yeah. in the movie, there was a big giant white guy who was kind of like an alien from that dimension mm-hmm. who came to Earth to harvest the bodies and take them away. It's a very good horror movie if you're into horror movies. Dude. But yeah, I'm going to check it out. But And they made like four movie, four uh, sequels out of this. It's, it's, it's a pretty uh, it's a cult classic. It's a pretty well-known uh, horror series. Phantasm. Mm-hmm. Now, the the reason I bring that up is because, to me, that, that makes a lot of sense if you think about uh, dimensional space and, you know, you hit something on the head where, you know, mm-hmm. beings that are on one side and we're on this side, you know, we're talking about different dimensions. Now, if you get into science and you get into, like, quantum particles, we've figured out that quantum particles could be at opposite uh, places in, in the, say, in Earth, and they still mm-hmm. connect. Mm-hmm. And right. we've learned that. So at the quantum level, there is that connection where, we, you know, we do have that connection. And even though we might be separated by space and time, we can still connect instantly. So who's not to say mm-hmm. that even after you pass away, the energy, which never dies, still mm-hmm. gets connected to the plane of existence. And that's why you have this yeah. crossover stuff. You're exactly right. It's a very, very well-made point. And uh, we see a lot of that happening in the UFO abduction right. research. I mean, you know, and it, it, what's really cool to me, though, is like, okay, so... I know we don't have a lot of time tonight, but I'll, so I'm going to throw this out there because this is going to take the conversation to a very unique place. Go for it. Um, <laughs> That's what I like. There was a okay, I was working with a gentleman who had called me. He had heard one of my shows I did last year, and he had actually he didn't call me, but he we actually talked on the phone later on. But he messaged me and he said, "You know what?" He goes, "You were talking about these soul hunters and and whatnot." And he said, uh, "Sounds like my father may have encountered." these entities you're talking about. And so I finally got him on the phone and he said, you know what, Nate? He said, my dad was a renowned remote viewer. And he said in his hometown, he said, uh, you know, politicians and celebrities would come over and pay him for a reading and for, you know, basically just words of wisdom from whatnot. So he said, but his dad, one night, his dad uh, went into a session in his room, he just laid on his bed, he said, and his dad, his, his dad's spirit would leave his body. And he said, at this night, he said, I was downstairs playing my Sega or something. He said, next thing I know, my, he said, I hear my dad running, almost stumbling down the stairs. He runs into the living room and he's screaming and crying. He said, he's inconsolable. And he said, he said, I finally turn the light on and we're looking at him. As these entities are carving amulets and and, and uh, what looked to be Egyptian hieroglyphs on his chest, 
and I have the pictures. Wow. It's in, this is intense. Nobody's nobody's researching this, and I don't. It's not because I'm like better or anything. I'm just I just think that this is like a new phenomenon or something. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's crazy, man. But uh, so so his dad was inconsolable that he actually had a heart attack that night, almost died. And he said that when he when they got him to the hospital, they got him, they gave him some happy pills, got him calmed down. His heart rate was lower. His blood pressure went down. They said, Dad, what in the heck happened? And he said, well, he said, whenever I would do my sessions, he said, my body leaves or my spirit leaves my body. He said, and I enter into this room where there are beings that are lined up on the left and right sides. And he said, usually I would go in there and I would ask them, what's the password? And it was a safe hmm. word. They would give him the pass. I've never heard of this before. This is very interesting. That's new. Yeah, I haven't heard that one either. <laughs> and he said, uh, yeah, he said, and if they didn't, you know, they would know the password. He, that would tell him that he's supposed to be where he is. Or, you know, yeah, he's in the right place and stuff. So he said that particular night, he he did his thing. His his soul left his body. He's in the room. He's seeing these these guides of his. And they didn't know the password. And when they realized that he realized, oh, crap, I shouldn't be where I am, he said they changed their appearance into something inhuman. And he Mm. said, that's when I felt myself slam back into my body. And he said it's almost scared him to death. Now, the interesting thing that this brought up in my mind was that they did not carve this. I don't believe they carved these amulets on his body. I believe they carved it on his soul. And when the soul entered the body, what they were witnessing in that living room was that the body manifesting what was on the soul. The reason I say that is because the same thing happened to Betty Luca. Wow. So the hold on, so the entity was manifesting itself. Now, that takes a lot of energy, wouldn't it? I mean, you're talking about an extremely yeah. powerful being at that point. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, right. You're, you're exactly right. So, what I believe yeah. was that they had they had taken his soul, and they had done something to it. And then, when right. his soul got back into his body, it began to manifest. Now, Betty Luca's husband, uh, Betty S. Andreas and Luca, worked with a researcher named Ray Fowler. And Ray Fowler said that Betty Luca was witnessed; her soul was witnessed by her husband coming out of her body and being abducted. And then when she got back into her body, the body that wasn't abducted began to manifest skin conditions. Wow. And so I do believe – I don't want to ramble. I'm sorry. No, no, no. No, <laughs> no, no. Let me ask you something. There were skin conditions of the, of the other body that they carried over? Yeah, of hers. Like, yeah, whatever was done to the soul manifests itself in the body. Wow. And and what we're looking at in my mind is we're looking at some form of, I don't know if it's reincarnation just yet, but we're looking at a strange form of necromancy. Um, because, again, like, let's go back into, uh, let's see here. Let's go back into Ian Stevenson's work. Okay. Ian Stevenson worked with reincarnation. And he would have young people who, by the age of five or six years old, are telling their parents, "Look, you know, I mean, this is my, this is my real name. This is, you know, I'm not who I'm supposed to be. You know, uh, you know, maybe if they were Chinese, they'll say, you know, what I used to be Indian, which was one <laughs> case. And you know, this is my real name. This is where I died. This is what I look like. And- today, today we'll call them trans uh, heritage. 
Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there we go, man. And, and, and Stevenson would, would ask them, okay, and during his interviews, okay, you know, how did you die? And they would say, well, you know, I died in a car wreck or I got shot or, or something. But whatever would happen to their body, it would manifest on who they are today. And it would manifest itself as a birthmark. Wow, that's interesting. Right, right. So what we're looking at, again, is whatever happened to their old body affected their soul. Yeah. And whatever affected the soul affects their new body. So right? do you think they take a piece of the of like that manifestation with them to the body? I mean, I mean is it like... I, I don't know. I don't know because there's... Okay, so you... Uh, I'm a huge fan of reading ancient manuscripts. Okay. And what it appears to be that the modern UFO phenomenon is is forcing us to consider some very interesting truths. Mm-hmm. Number one, there is an ancient manuscript that starts out by saying the soul of the man is made from the flesh of a god. Okay. So in, in the Western world, we believe that the soul the soul is incorporeal. Right. That can't be true because they're abducting it. Right. Right? Right. And so what they have a knowledge of, whatever these entities are, they have a profound knowledge of the afterlife. They have a profound knowledge of um, our souls, what it consists of. And I'm going to throw this out there for contemplation. But I do believe that a lot of these UFO abductions are happening to souls and not to bodies. I believe that, and you know what? One that's actually something I've uh, kicked around for a long time. So it's funny you mentioned that, and the reason I say that is because mm-hmm. it makes sense in a sense when you hear a lot of abductees saying that they walk through walls, that the entities mm-hmm. uh, lifted them out of their bed and they floated through windows or through walls or through doors, right. uh, along with the entity that, that took them, and you know it's. In ufology, it's fun to to speculate. They might have some technology that could make the body walk through a wall, the human body. But in reality, it'd be a lot easier. They could just pull the soul out of the body and, you know, use that instead. Yeah. And in this way, once they return you, you don't really feel the mm-hmm. thing. That's why I think a lot of people, when they return, it's almost like they wake up from a dream. You're exactly right. Yeah. You're exactly right, my man. And that's that's... And I know the how, how unique of, of a thought that is, but my God, I mean, we've been asking the same questions for millennia. I think maybe it's time to consider some things that perhaps we thought were off limits before. Yeah. No, you know, I I, I, I wasn't too much of a believer in uh, in uh, the soul leaving the body and being able to return and all that stuff for a long time. Uh, but mm-hmm. I, I, my mother passed away in 2016 of cancer, and my dad saw her leave her body. Um, we were both in the room with her as she was oh passing o- passing away, and uh, he was standing right next to her, holding her hand. Now they had been divorced for fifteen years, uh, mm-hmm. Nate, and he had no reason to be there. But my father, God bless him, he was there every day from the moment she mm-hmm. went into the hospital to the moment she passed. Never left her side. I mean, this man was like he was still in love wow. with her, you know. Yeah, he was. And uh, you know, she was. I know, grateful because she told me before she passed how much. She noticed that he was, you know, there for her. And, um, you know, he's still with us, thankfully. But when she passed, my father looked at me because I was arguing with the nurse over medicine they were giving my mother. And um, I looked over and I saw her last breath. And my dad literally, like, was in in shock. Like, his face was white like a white wall. And uh, Mm -hmm. he looked at me and he said, "You, you could stop arguing. 
And I didn't understand exactly what that meant, but I looked at my mother, and instantly, you know, tears came to me, and I started, you know, getting hysterical because mm -hmm. my mother just passed. And, you know, later on, he told me, son, I saw your mom leave her body. Like, I wow. saw the apparition, like, get out of the bed and, and it looked at me directly, and, mm -hmm. and it walked away, and then it just disappeared. Wow. What a wonderful story. And I know that's... That's incredible. You know, I hate the fact that you lost your mother. I lost my grandmother to uh, breast and bone cancer two years ago. My mother, yeah. Yeah, mine yeah, was lung cancer. Sepsis. Wow. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's very interesting because uh, now while I, I didn't get to see my grandmother's apparition. Um, okay, so, so let me back up and say that. This is really cool. So way back in the, like not way back in the day, um, about a mm -hmm. year and a half, two years ago, um, my very first show I ever did was Coast to Coast. Oh wow, that's and, a, that's a big one to start off with. <laughs> like, yeah, I know. Right? When you started with coast to coast, like, where do you go from there? Like, the, everything else is downhill, man. That's like the big show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, I, I'm a huge Art Bell fan, and I cried like a baby. Oh know? man! Oh my god! So you know, dream come true. So, well, my grandmother was like, "Look," she's like, "Because uh, I told her that they, you know, they they needed a um, uh, what's it called, a landline, and I didn't right. have a landline. You know, I, I had my cell phone." And uh, I know they do it differently now, I think. Yeah. But anyways, back in the day, two years ago. Um, well, you, you do it with George's there, right? No one, because Art left years yeah. ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you imagine? I, I, I would have freaked out if I didn't. Oh, know. man. Oh, my God. I got to work with Art <laughs> on uh, on Dark Matter Digital for about uh, two years before he came on air. And yeah. uh, we got to like set up a network for him uh, with Keith Rowland and the other hosts that were on there. And we my show was a lead-in lead show for his for the three or four months that he was on, on online. And just mm -hmm. the, you know, the limited interaction I had with art behind the scenes was amazing. I mean, he was oh, just yeah. tremendous person to talk to and, and pick his mind when it came to like, you know, uh, subjects like this or ufology or, you know, mm -hmm. people he interviewed and whatnot. Amazing, amazing guy. You know, I, I miss him dearly. He's just a Dude, fantastic person to deal with. And my one of my heroes. I mean, I, when I got into radios because of Art Bell. And I, I mm -hmm. was blessed to be able to tell him that before he passed away. I was like, you know, you are the reason why I do this. Yeah. And uh, he was, you know, kind of shocked to hear that, but not really because he's heard it before. But, you know, he's, he, was yeah. very, he was very humble when it came to that kind of stuff. So, I mean, it was really neat to, like, see that side of him, you know. Miss them dearly. There, will yeah. there will never be another art. Oh, man. Oh, definitely not. Love no. you, Art. Love you, Art. Love you, bud. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. Uh, and George is yeah. great. Don't get me wrong. George Murray does a, a great job. Yeah, and, yeah. But there will never be another art, Bell. Just won't, won't happen. Yeah, no. man. He's, he's the goat in my eyes. But, uh, yeah, yeah so, so my – okay, so my grandmother was like, look, you know, she's like, to celebrate, she goes, I'm going to go ahead and put that phone in. Your partner lever. I was like, oh, okay, mm -hmm. you know, that's cool. <laughs> Thank you, Grandma. So anyway, she does that. So then maybe about six months after I do the interview, you know, obviously I'm not using the landline because I don't need it anymore. So right. I'm thinking about, you know, taking it out. Um, well, one night she, she gets sepsis and she just, she goes downhill very, very, very quickly. And, uh, and we weren't prepared for that. You know, I mean, she was, it was very strange because, you know, she thought she had the flu. Mm. This is pre COVID. So she didn't have COVID, but, uh, you know, so she had steps anyway. So she's basically on life support at the hospital. And my dad calls me and says, you know, it's not looking good. She might die tonight. She might pass tomorrow. Um, I was devastated. I didn't know what to do. And uh, so I get off the phone with them. 
And I promise you, the phone in the other room that she had put in calls my cell phone. Now, when it when when she calls my when the phone calls my cell phone, I see her name pop up because mm. it's in her name. Wow. Unbelievable. So then and I was I had a few beers because I was crying so hard. I was just trying to like I didn't know what to do. And and uh, this is intense, man. So so I, I screenshot it and then next thing I know, it calls me again. And then it calls me again. Three times it called me. And I, I thought for a second, originally, I thought it was her boyfriend that was calling me. And I'm like, man, I don't want to talk to him right now. You know, <laughs> like I, I've already heard. Right. Right. And, and then I realized only afterwards, oh, my God, that's that line she had put in in the other room. So I wish to God to this day I'd have answered because who knows what I would experience. Yeah, yeah. But that alone is intense, man. So I, I don't have a, a you know, it's still an interesting story, but. It, it points to life after death, and I think that's much of what this phenomenon is. Yeah. You know, I'll share another uh, story about my mother's passing, uh, and, this, and it's funny you mentioned uh, getting a phone call. My nephew, my oldest nephew, Robbie Jr., uh, he had something similar happen with my mother uh, once she passed. A uh, day mm -hmm. or two later, we're, you know, fixing the, the, the whole funeral arrangement, and me and my brother and, and his son, Robbie, uh, we went to uh, the funeral place that set up the the arrangement uh, where we were going to do the funeral. And my mm -hmm. brother and his son were uh, at the actual funeral hall. I was next door to the cafeteria getting some breakfast and and uh, mm -hmm. just getting, a, uh, you know, something to drink really mostly for myself and ordering for my brother and my nephew. And as they mm -hmm. walked in, my nephew had like a freaked out look on his face. And he goes, Dio, which means uncle in Spanish. And he goes... Mm -hmm. You will not believe what just happened. And I'm like, what happened? And he pulls out his cell phone and he goes, Grandma just called me. And I'm like, what? Oh, wow. And I and I go, what are you talking about? And he shows me his cell phone. And my brother was <laughs> with him. He goes, bro, he's not playing. Look at the phone. And I looked at the phone. And sure enough, it was his grandma's phone number. Called him twice. <laughs> now, oh, here, here's the, uh, the kicker. The reason they came up to me and asked me is because I had her phone in my house. After mm -hmm. she passed, you know, we, we kept the, the phone in the house, and it was turned off. We were mm -hmm. at the funeral place about an hour away from where I lived. The phone was off in my bedroom. There's mm -hmm. nobody in my house at all, okay? There's absolutely mm -hmm. no way nobody got to that phone and made a phone call. But yet, mm -hmm. he had two missed calls uh, about a minute apart from his grandma's phone number. <laughs> that's incredible man an impossibility by all case in point yeah, yeah. the first yeah, question no the first question was like are, do you have the phone or are you messing with us and I'm like what are you talking about <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah especially during that time you know just like with me I'm like man if somebody's punking me I'm gonna be you know like really angry yeah yeah um, but this this life after death thing is a huge piece of the puzzle and I think that that this phenomenon is forcing the materialists in the field who are relying on science, science, science. Not that science doesn't have something to offer. Obviously, it does. I'm mm -hmm. a huge proponent for it. But it's it's forcing the conversation into the area of the afterlife. And I, I can't wait for us to have that conversation in the field because, you know, that's going to that's gonna bring into 
um, the room. It's going to bring you into the psychology of the afterlife. It's going to bring in what a soul is and isn't, right. how it's existing, and why it is that they're so interested in us. How, what do you feel about EVP communication? Because, I mean, if the soul is the energy and, you know, people are picking up EVP and recordings through, you know, radio static and, and hearing voices and, and being able to communicate back and forth, mm-hmm. I mean, to me that is a logical progression of how do they interact with the afterlife because if energy is constant and never dies, that makes mm-hmm. sense why they will be able to come through through EVP, wouldn't it? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And if we go back into prehistory, the the beliefs of the afterlife included, this is really interesting, included um, carving a statue in the image of a loved one who died. And that, that entity, that consciousness of the loved one would possess the statue. And that was a way that these entities would carry on their existence in the living world. Mm, interesting. Now, yeah, let's take this further because you know what I what I usually do is I try to compare ancient beliefs of the afterlife to the modern UFO abduction phenomenon. And so the the first uh, metallic implant was a form of necromancy. Mm. And so in the Old Testament, in the Bible, they had what are called teraphim. Laban was one of the idolaters who would create these entities. And what they would do is they would go out into a graveyard. They would dig up a body. They would take that body, take them to their basement, place the body in the wall, and then take a small piece of metal, carve the name of an unclean spirit, a tumorua, on it, and then implant that piece of metal underneath the tongue. And then the consciousness of that disincarnate, unclean spirit would then possess that body and communicate through it. Wow, I haven't heard that one before. That's interesting. Yeah, and so what we need to be thinking about, at least in my mind, is that that a lot of these implants have consciousness imprinted into them. Hmm. And I also believe that's how they're locating a lot of people, is by using these implants to create a unified stream of consciousness. It's not like, okay, they're not using Google Maps. No, it's a (laughs) conscious-based technology, right? Turn left at the light. Um, (laughs) It's like a sole GPS device. There we go. Exactly right. Well, and this one, the GPS can stand for ghost. There we go. Yeah, Yeah. yeah. ghost something something. Ghostly paranormal service or stream. (laughs) <laughs> who are you, you going to call? GPS. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there we go, man. So, you know, it's really interesting, but there's not much in the UFO abduction research that doesn't mirror ancient beliefs of the afterlife. Uh, yep. And so I think that uh, once we turn the corner on that idea, that a lot of these other revelations that dogmatism has held back, they're going to come to the fore. Perhaps still out of the community. Yeah, no, I mean, even if you look at things like orbs, for example, I mean, we see orbs when it comes to UFOs, and we see orbs when it comes to ghostly activity. Mm-hmm. So, is there a mm-hmm. connection there with orbs? Because I mean, that's a very common theme within within both worlds. Yeah, absolutely. Matter of fact, if you zoom in on what an orb looks like, a real orb, there's designs to it. Mm-hmm. 
And if you go back to um, in Israel, there's what's called the Gilgal Rephaim. It's in the Golan Heights. Mm, okay. The Gilgal Rephaim is literally a basically it was a graveyard that's designed in the shape of an orb. Oh wow! And that's why, yeah, that's why in your Jewish mythology, Gilgal meant reincarnation. And that's why in the Old Testament, Rephaim mean deceased ancestors. It's and I'm gonna just do a lecture for a real quick fleeting moment. Go Rephaim is where the uh, Nephilim come from. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've definitely heard and of the so, Nephilim, yeah. Yeah, so what we're looking at and with the Gilgal Rephaim is that these people, even in the Bible, were experiencing entities that uh, were displaying characteristics of apparitions who were ghosts and who were creating a way to exist in this dimension. And uh, so, you know, it's very interesting. But even if you go back from Rephaim to the Mesopotamian text where they were called Repayumai, the Repayumai were not gods. They weren't uh, giants or anything. They were just deceased ancestors. And so I do believe a lot of these entities that are abducting people um, are formerly human. Hmm. Again, it goes to the uh, the theory that I have that it's all one one big melting pot, and it's all over the yeah. universe. And it's uh, I, you know, and, and this is where I kind of like differ from uh, religion and science because uh, I'm you know I, I was raised Jehovah's Witness. I know my condolences to myself. You know, and the body's perfect. <laughs> uh, but, but I'm not really a religious person anymore. I kind of like left the, the 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 religious uh part of me behind uh because i started asking questions that they didn't like like why is slavery in the bible for example like you know mm -hmm. why would god mm -hmm. condone that uh you know they right. religious folks don't like things like logical questions uh so mm -hmm. you know you tend to get uh thrown out you know certain places because of that but i do believe in spiritual activity i do believe in the afterlife i do believe in ghosts Demons, because I've experienced mm -hmm. that stuff myself. I, I believe there's mm -hmm. a God. There's you know all these other things. Uh, so I'm not an atheist by no means, mm -hmm. uh, but I do think that it's all interconnected. And, I, and the you know the reason I say that is I do think that if there is a God being, um, and He created the heavens and the earth and everything mm -hmm. else, um, you know logically speaking, He created everything and let evolution take its course from then on. And that mm -hmm. gave us the freedom of will that we experience today, but with certain rules and structure made by God. And, you mm -hmm. know, I think that's why there's this kind of, uh, like, intermingling when you get down to it, when you see all these different entities, because we're all the child of God. Yeah, you're exactly right. And that, that also proposes a two-pronged problem right. for both religion and science, yep. because... Because if these entities exist, which they do, and let's just go with the theory that they're um, extraterrestrial, um, the Christians have to have to have to answer who created them, right? And the scientists have to answer the question as how did they evolve if they did? Yeah. Well, then, then you have to get the, the way out of it. No, then you have to get the answer from the aliens themselves. Do they believe in God? Exactly right. Exactly <laughs> right. Man. You know, and, and obviously, you know, it, it presents some interesting conundrums for both parties. But but I think that, that okay, I agree with Steve Mara 
Um, I don't know if you've heard of him. He's uh, he's from the UK. He's one of my one of my heroes in the field, and and we believe that, that this is this this is the same phenomenon, but it's it's manifesting in different ways, and it has throughout all of history. And so, if there are negative entities that we're encountering, which I do believe they are, what are their intentions with the soul harvesting? What are they doing to us exactly? Because in my own research, I've, I've, I've done extensive research in the debook phenomenon, in the incubus and succubus case studies, and everything that we're experiencing in abductions, we've been experiencing for thousands of years in the form of demonology. Mm-hmm. Not that these are demons, not that I believe they're demons, but you know, we, we can't limit ourselves to the language our ancestors used right. to explain their experiences. Correct. Um, you know what I mean? Like nobody experienced flying shields, mm-hmm. but nobody's also experiencing flying saucers. Right. So we can't limit it, you know? So it's going to be an exciting time. And I'm looking forward to this UFO disclosure that's ha- supposed to be happening in June. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's hysterical because I had Steve Bassett on uh, a year ago and he was like very animate that we we're going to get a disclosure <laughs> type of project uh, happening within uh, April, May of this year. And uh, mm-hmm. that something was going to drop that was big. This is a year ago before the election or anything. And, and you know, mm-hmm. Steve Bassett, I don't know if you're familiar with him, but for years he's been talking mm-hmm. about disclosure and he's been working very hard behind the scenes to make it happen. And almost every year for the last 20-something years, we've been hearing from Steve saying, we're close, we're close, we're close. And it always seems that we're close, but we never get there. I actually do mm-hmm. think we're close this time to getting some kind of disclosure. And I think yeah. p- uh, part of it is uh, because it does, I think, uh, connect both worlds. And I think that's part of like the problem is because, like I said earlier, there's been a lot of language confusion when it comes to mm-hmm. these things. For example, you, you nailed it right on the head. Uh, when it comes to demons, for example, yeah, we, we call them demons because that's the language they knew back then. That's what they labeled it at. But what if right. demons are the same things as UFOs and aliens, just we're now calling them something different? Because that's what yeah, we understand. Exactly right. Yeah, that's what we understand them as now. Uh, and you know, in a hundred years, they might be called something completely different. You know, and mm-hmm. you know, it all depends on the time and era. Also, uh, our language yeah, is different you're to exactly them. Right. Two hundred years ago, they didn't have the term "flying saucer" or "UFOs." No, they didn't. No, <laughs> no, they didn't. And there is a, and I'm going to say this, and and I'm not like trying to offend anybody in the field, but there is an anti-intellectual movement in the mm-hmm. field. That suggest you know it, it logs itself as some kind of higher than thou, more intelligent. Truth yeah, it's not. Honestly, it's not. It's almost not. elitist, right? Yeah. Like almost an elitist yeah, type of mentality. Elitist. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and you know they'll say, you know what, uh, religious fundamentalism has not, you know, fundamentalism has nothing to add. And I'm thinking, okay, but that's not what religious fundamentalism is, <laughs> because right, if you're studying the phenomenon and you're trying to be Christopher Hitchens. Even Christopher Hitchens would hitch slap you into the next dimension. Yes. Because he, even he knew, even he knew, you know Hitchens, right? Yes, yeah, that's all I'm Okay. Oh my God, man. Uh, you know, even he would have been like, okay, listen, you got to separate the phenomenon from dogma. Yes. And and on both sides, you know, there, there are, you know, atheists, agnostics, and everything that, that look at even what I do. And they say, you know what? They lump me in with just, you know, the, the religious cults out there and so you know, he's a demonologist he thinks that aliens are demons and it's like dude you know i wouldn't bother if i thought that right i mean i'm, I'm supposed to be studying this stuff uh so 
you know, at the, at the same time, at the other end of the table, you do have religious fundamentalists who are saying, yeah, these are horns and hooves. So it kind of makes it difficult for researchers like me because I'm in the middle of it thinking, okay, but what if we look at this as a language that's been confused and look at it for the data sample, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's my two cents. I'll get off my soapbox. <laughs> no, no, it makes perfect sense to my <laughs> mind because you're on the same page as I, I've been on for a long time when it comes to this kind of stuff. Because, again, yeah. I, do, I do think that a lot of it is just, uh, you know, hard-headed people who don't want to see the the the, the path really as i call it, the, the 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 right path when it comes to this stuff yeah. people often uh, they are like stuck between evolution science and religion dogma and they don't want to like say yeah. or even think about the possibility that it could all be connected like science doesn't neglect or negate god uh science in a lot of ways actually opens the door to another being, to a godly being, even Einstein, for example, like what was he, what did he die trying trying to do? Read the mind of God. He, he right, said it. Right. He, that's what he was trying to do, and he was religious, and he was just the the world's greatest scientist, as far as we know. Well, him and Nikola Tesla, probably the world's greatest inventor, as far as I, I'm concerned. Uh, mm-hmm. But I mean, think about it. For Einstein to say that this is what he was trying to do was read the mind of God. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, he meant it in a scientific way because well, as he believed in the afterlife and he believed spirituality in God, he also understood mm-hmm. science worked in a certain way. And like I believe right. if God created everything, that he did it with structure. He wouldn't just randomly mm-hmm. throw stuff at it. Like, he wouldn't get a bunch of spaghetti, throw it against the wall and be like, let's see what sticks. Oh, look at that. <laughs> we got planets over here. We got suns over here. It all sticks. That's great. You know, the, I think you did do that with mosquitoes, though. I'm just gonna throw that out there. That and maybe kidding. the maybe the platypus. <laughs> Those are the two. <laughs> Not the that guy's like, gosh, dang it, <laughs> platypus. I I think God was yeah. maybe drinking a little whiskey when he created the platypus, and he's like, eh, it looks fine. It looks like a seal crossed with a turkey, crossed with a duck. Yeah, yeah. Just put that out there. Who cares? <laughs> oh my. We'll God, call it the platypus. That's yeah, man, just go with it. Who cares? Yeah, but you know, it's again like like it's 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 a movement of anti anti intellectualism. Yep. Where people don't want to think, they want to be thought for. Mm-hmm. And what I'm what I'm looking back, I'm watching this whole thing unfold. I'm thinking, okay, like you know, we we had the Chris Bledsoe story, which I love Chris to death, and I've never met him, but you know, he's a really cool dude. And I'm watching this unfold. You see an apparitions that are teaching doctrine. Mm-hmm. Yep. And as soon as they start spitting doctrine, it lifts us and out of the conversation of science and into, wait a minute, religion. Yeah. And that's something that I don't think the scientific community is willing to embrace. Uh, because what if, let me throw this out there and I'll, I'll stop rambling, but what if, my God, what if this, this disclosure that's going to come, what if it's not what we think it is? Mm-hmm. Like, what if it's not okay we have the technology and we can, you know, light speed and all that stuff. What if it's like, listen, they believe in a God. Can you imagine? Cause we you know, I think a lot of people are looking at back at it and saying, okay, well maybe they haven't given us disclosure because it's going to ruin religion. I don't, that, that may not be the case. It may ruin the scientific community's belief in materialism. And I think that's what yeah. considering too. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, <laughs> no, it, it's funny you mentioned it because uh, one of the, things that came out of, uh, I believe it was Project uh, Blue Book, 
was that the the community that will be most affected by the knowledge of UFOs existence or aliens existence were the scientists because they were completely uh, scientists and super religious institutions right because it goes against what their mentality is and they're so stuck in their dogmas that it'll completely yeah. just throw off what they believe and it'll be total chaos which again to people like us we're like well that's stupid why don't you, why don't you look past the, your veil and do some scientific yeah, 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 work yeah, and actually stupid. use your mind you know like for the for as smart as some of these scientists are they, they really are kind of stupid you that know. is hilarious, bro. That's hilarious. You're like, well, that that's stupid. You yeah. know, and, and you're right. And I'm I'm sitting here in the middle of it with you, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm not claiming to know everything. I, I'm I'm claiming to know enough to know that I don't know everything. Right. And maybe it's time that we consider these as possibilities. Yeah. Because yeah. if they're gonna if they're here, who created them? How did they evolve into these kinds of creatures? Mm-hmm. Right. If, if we have theologians that think that we're created by God with, uh, you know, intelligent design and we got people here that, you know, they're not that intelligent. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what about these cats? You know, yeah. like even the dummies got to go crazy. somewhere when they die. You know, <laughs> something, yeah, yeah. Something's I, I would never to. want to meet a dumb alien. Right. Because he would be really intelligent, really gifted. He just didn't know what to do with it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, there, Turn you into platypus. Maybe. Yeah, there you go. There you go. The next, imagine the next life you come back and you're a platypus. That would really suck. Like, you you would just hope oh, for, like, somebody to kill you, you at that I point. I would haunt you. Yeah, I know. I'd be like, I remember that show. We were making fun of platypus. <laughs> now look at me. Whenever we come in and I want to see a platypus, uh, like, right next to my bed, and it's going to be like, it's all your fault, Angel. <laughs> you made me yeah, into yeah, this. Yeah, I don't know how they talk. <laughs> That'd be hilarious, man. I, you know, this you know this this field is so interesting and it's fascinating. Uh, you know, I mean, the, the phenomenon itself, though, if we're not careful, it will discipline us. Yep. It will discipline our dogmas intentionally, mm-hmm. just to make sure we know that that we don't have it all together. And I think that it's necessary at times. Let me ask you a question. Do you do you, have you heard of the uh, story of uh, I think it was the boy's name was Bariska. He was a Russian kid uh, who was claiming, yeah, yeah. yeah, he claimed to be a, a the soul of a Martian who died in a Martian mm-hmm. war, and he was mm-hmm. a pilot, and he started describing the planet Mars and describing his duties as a pilot, what he did, uh, the radiation around the planet, things that like you know a kid would not know, especially about mm-hmm. the planet itself, which now we're finding out it's very accurate, like the radiation around the planet, how much atmosphere is, stuff that you know mm-hmm. no child would know at that age, and he was like three or four when he started having these you know flashbacks, um, which mm-hmm. kind of go into what we were talking about earlier that perhaps uh, you know this is a universal thing where we're all kind of connected soul wise do you think that's possible that mm-hmm. there could be a soul that lived like say on mars a million years ago and now they're on earth mm-hmm. you think that you think that's a possibility yeah yeah yes i do absolutely i do absolutely do. and 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 i don't think that that's far-fetched uh because if there was one thematic element that has linked this research it's their willingness even inadvertently, to teach us about the afterlife, that the soul exists outside of the body, independent of the body. It's conscious, alive, and it can interact. And, and uh, you know, like I said, that's a brilliant point because it goes back to a case that Dr. Carla Turner had 
where uh, she was working with this experiencer. The experiencer was female, and she said that uh, one night she was in the ship, and the entities were getting angry at her because she wasn't working with them. You know, they were trying to move her somewhere, and she was just holding herself back and pushing them back and stuff. And finally, they said, look, look over at the corner. And she looked, and she said there was a second her, like a clone of her body, laying on a table. Mm. Yeah, man. This is going to be a whole nother show. That's <laughs> creepy they, they, uh, itself. They, <laughs> oh, yeah. They told her, if you don't cooperate, we'll kill you. And we'll replace you with that, and nobody in your family will know the difference. Now, the purpose of killing her would be to take her consciousness out of, the, out of the body. So they're not replacing you know, the body they killed with a new body and put her – no. The question is if they did replace her, whose consciousness – or how about this one? What consciousness would they have put back in that double of her? That's a whole new ballgame, isn't it? Mm, yeah. Is it a clone body? Is it a, a See, manifested body? Like, uh, I mean, that's the question. I believe it's a real body. I believe it's a real body because, um, like, okay, if we go to Genesis chapter 6 and, and just kind of do a cursory, cursory glance over mm -hmm. the narrative here, it talks about how these entities first manifested in history. Um, but it says that, that okay, they, they, they married wives. The sons of God sought all the daughters of men, and right. they married wives and went under them. That's a pretty generic, basic text. It doesn't really shed light on anything. Mm -hmm. And that's why a lot of these scholars will have different ideas. They'll blame it on angels. Others will blame the women for being too hot and sexy. Right. And then some other guy will come out and be like, no, it was the Seth, Sethites, sons of Seth, who did then I, you know, nobody really understands that. Nobody agrees. Right. It wasn't until I got a hold of a um, the it's called the Apocrypha of John, and um, it was an Egyptian manuscript that was preserved by monks, Christian monks, in Egypt, and they had preserved a myth, a legend about what really happened in Genesis six, that gives us detail, and it sounds a lot like UFO abduction phenomena. Mm. It says that these entities waited until the husbands to these wives were out of the house. And then they would go into these rooms, their rooms, in the image of the husband that was gone. Wow. And then they would groom them into intercourse. And at the moment of conception, wink, wink. Right. They performed what's called an obstructed tradition. They looked into the eyes of these women, and and then they implanted. Can I say what? Like, can I keep, do I have to keep PG or can I go into like biological substance? Say it however you want to say. It. We're completely uncensored. Okay, so they they would implant semen into the womb. Now, at the moment that they would implant that semen. They stared into the eyes of these women, and they reversed their apparitions to what they originally looked like. Okay. Now, right, what's the purpose of this? Well, the obstructive tradition plays a powerful role because it shows us where their intentions were. Right. The tradition was that whatever man the woman was focused on at the moment of conception, she would bear the material image of in her womb as a child. So these entities were creating bodies that look like their apparitions. 
Could this explain maybe the uh, apparition that appeared to Mary, uh, the Virgin Mary, that maybe it wasn't could God be. and it was one of these beings? Uh, or it could be, very well could be. And, you know, they could be using religion as a narrative to communicate right. these truths to us, you know. Um, so they were creating bodies that look like their apparition. And so the, the Hebrews would call them Nephilim and Rephaim. Why? Because the Rephaim has a dual meaning. The Rephaim were giants. That's right. the image, right? But the Rephaim also has a dual meaning of deceased ancestors. That's mm. the consciousness. <laughs> so we literally have ghosts growing in bodies and existing in this dimension, which is pretty much what you're talking about with that kid from Russia. Right. It's fascinating stuff. But uh, it, it appears to me that it's the same phenomenon that we're experiencing in the subduction stuff. Because they're, for whatever reason, there's consciousness in the eyes of these creatures. And they're I, constantly staring into ours. Are you familiar with Scientology and uh, their belief? A little bit. Okay. A little bit. Scientology believes that there was an alien called Xenu who came to Earth a long time ago when men were still kind of like Neanderthal men or cavemen. And uh, mm -hmm. he was bringing to Earth uh, kind of like the scum and villainy of the universe. And uh, mm -hmm. they were all frozen. Maybe in Carbonite, like in Star Wars, I don't know. Uh, but they were all frozen and dropped into a volcano. And in that volcano, the uh, bodies melted and the souls rose up to the ship that had a, a soul caption device on it. This is what they believe. And uh, the soul caption device uh, was, was then transported around the Earth. And the souls were dropped into the bodies of Neanderthals. And that's what groomed humanity. And we evolved using wow, using that. That's, that's what Scientology believes. Now, fast forward, you know, you know, all these all these years later, and we have a lot of history of you know, like what we're talking about now, possibly mm -hmm. implanting of souls in bodies, maybe even Mary Magdalene, maybe you know, other you know beings that are have produced Messiah figures over the years. Maybe a lot of these Messiah mm -hmm. figures have been as a result mm -hmm. of this kind of uh, impregnation. And one thing that uh, brings me back to, uh, you know, ask a lot of questions is the very story of Adam and Eve, for example. Um, right. Adam and Eve was created by God, supposedly in the Bible. First man and woman, mm -hmm. right? Uh, mm -hmm. Why did they get cast out of Eden? Because Eve ate from the uh, tree of knowledge, the apple. Mm -hmm. that's, the, that's the narrative. So she eats from the tree of knowledge because she listens to Satan the serpent and she gets, uh, you know, humanity basically thrown out of, uh, you know, God's good grace. Now, mm -hmm. they had two boys, Cain and Abel. Mm -hmm. In biblical times, Cain kills Abel. He goes on and starts his own farm after God expels him completely from the Garden of Eden, which means, I guess, he only sort of, like, Removed them from part of the garden when uh, Eve ate the apple, but that completely kicked him out of the, of the, of the garden mm -hmm. until Cain killed his brother. And then he was like, you know what? You got to go, bro. You killed your own brother, so get out of here. So he kicks mm -hmm. Cain out of there, and he wanders around for a little while. And then he comes through a town where there are people there, and he settles down, marries, has kids. My question always has been if Adam and Eve were the first two and Cain and Abel were their kids, and this is a little bit of a Seinfeld moment for you. Who are the people? 
you know, who were the people that Cain saw and who, and who was the woman that he married? Yeah, you're exactly right. That, that entire narrative is, is, is unique in history because, you know, there's a lot of questions that have to be asked. They have to be answered. And I know, like, some scholars that look at that as if it's allegorical and not right. literal, you know. And I think that I think that's both literal and allegorical. It might not all be literal, and it might not all be allegorical. But uh, what's unique? I'll tell you what's really cool about that. Um, there's a thought that when Adam and Eve died, that they became naked souls, and that they had died uh, when the moment they had ate the fruit, and now they were naked. And that's why they hid themselves. And so, you know, it's very interesting stuff. And I don't want to get too deep in theology and, and, and mythology in, in that area. But again, this, this has the, the taste, it has the nature of teaching us afterlife truths that perhaps we're not ready for or they may not think we're ready for. Mm-hmm. And uh, if anything, I know some people think, okay, we shouldn't be alarmed about it. I don't know. Are you alarmed about it? I mean, I, I kind of am. <laughs> Uh, to be honest, nothing scares me anymore after the, the things yeah. I've seen. You know, nothing alarms me anymore. Uh, you know, I've always said that I, I don't, I don't fear death. I fear reincarnation. Ooh, okay. Because I, I do believe, you know, I don't think that we're going to go to a purgatory. I think we're there now. I think life is purgatory. Mm-hmm. We're we to experience life and go through the trials and tribulations of what life is, and then mm-hmm. our reward is a heavenly uh, reward. Uh, once we go through mm-hmm. our trials here and we experience everything we have to experience, if we're righteous mm-hmm. and we do right by whoever the Lord is or we do just the right things, we get that reward and we get to you know ascend to an- another heavenly realm. That's just kind of my personal mm-hmm. belief. You know, I'm not saying that's mm-hmm. accurate or 100% uh, you know, for certain, but that's just the way I kind of like see it. Uh, when people say, oh, you go to purgatory. I think we're there now. I think that's what Earth is. That's why we see so much evil and negativity in the world because we, we're kind of in a place where we have to figure out our own way past that. And that's mm-hmm. when you get to the next level, once you leave that kind of like negative evil behind. Mm-hmm. Like, like yeah, we're shedding. Yeah. And I and that's, that's also a, um, a cool idea too. It's like, okay... You have these caterpillars that they molt their mm-hmm. bodies and they mold and evolve it as something better. And what if that is the role of death? Yeah. What if that's the purpose? And we've been freaking out about it. It's like, wait a minute. The reality <laughs> is you're going to turn into something better. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, Annette, and Nathaniel, I want to get into your book, A, a Moment Called Men. Um, you know, let, let's talk about that for a second. When did you put this book out? When, when was it written? Man, it's been about a year ago. About a year? And, uh, yeah, I wrote it because I had lost a good friend to addiction. Mm. Um, and so he was an empath by nature. And a lot of people who are gifted like that will medicate the gifting they're called to manifest. And so I, I write about how purpose – well, I, I write about destiny and how to know your destiny and how to know your purpose and how to not feel guilty. Uh, for people not recognizing who you are and what you're called to. Um, my second book that's going to be out here shortly, I, I keep adding a bunch to it, but it's called The Skin That Crawls. And I'm going to go from the ancient belief of the afterlife and how that plays a role in possession 
And I'm going to talk about how possession to us is pregnancy to them. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a very, very intense book. But at the end of the day, I'm going to com- combine and well, compare and contrast uh, the UFO abduction phenomenon to what our ancestors experienced. Which I think it's a, a, a marriage made uh, in, in, in really in logical heaven, if you want to find yeah. a term for it. Because I, I do think that that is the, the proper uh, progression. I think that's where there's been a lot of buttings of heads uh, in uh, some mm-hmm. of the experts, uh, and I call them that very loosely, uh, within the scientific mm-hmm. community. Uh, because they they are so stuck, like I said, in their in their religious uh, ways, which is their science, is their religion. Yeah. Uh, and everything can become a religion. I mean, ufology is a religion for crying out loud. Mm-hmm. Uh, paranormal activity uh, has become a religion with uh, you know all these paranormal groups out there. Uh, mm-hmm. Religion, religion is of course religion. Uh, so you have you know everything can become a religion. You know people who love uh, entertainment, that's their religion. Mm-hmm. Uh, the dogma is what it is, but uh, the fact that science uh, looks at you know UFOs and aliens and ghosts and they dismiss this stuff, and, and but yet they're so stuck in science, science, science. But this is all part of science. It's all part of nature. It's all part of our evolution. It's all part of life. Right. You know, right. we've been seeing ghosts since the beginning of mankind. You know, yeah, we've been exactly seeing right. we've been seeing flying objects since the beginning of mankind. Uh, that's why in caves we find artwork that have uh, alien-looking, you know, uh, drawings, spaceships. Uh, the Indians mm-hmm. uh, uh, in India believed in the Vimanas, uh, which are flying ships of the 1700s. They didn't have flying mm-hmm. objects back then, but yet they know about Vimanas and they named them and they have descriptions right. of these things. So, I mean, th- these things have always been there. It's just now, it seems like we're kind of rediscovering this. So I think it, it mm-hmm. would be uh, really interesting if that is part of the disclosure pro- uh, thing that we get in the next uh, month or so, is that, mm-hmm. you know, it, look, aliens are real, but a large part of the phenomenon is also otherworldly, meaning, like, not just from another planet on this existence, but otherworldly mm-hmm. from, like, a heavenly realm. Right, right. That, that, that'd be huge. It would make more yeah. sense. And then at that moment is when you got to buy like a bottle of scotch and watch. <laughs> <in your> <laughs> yeah. But also, it makes sense when you look at like the Vatican, for example, uh, Nate, where the, mm-hmm. you know, they've come out and, and accepted the possibility of alien life. Now, and you never would have expected that before. But, you know, right. you, you have priests now who say, yeah, aliens could be very real. Uh, the Pope. Has, is open to it, and he says, "Yeah, they're they're God's creatures. They're, they're created by God, and you know they're our brothers and sisters from the cosmos. Uh, mm-hmm. it, you know, if they're out there, you know, they, they, there's no reason to doubt that God made them also. Uh, which is yeah. finally they're waking up to the notion that you know, again, it could all be interconnected. And uh, you know, I always find it kind of funny and ironic that the Vatican has the world's one of the world's largest telescopes, and it's called the Lucifer." Mm-hmm. Lucifer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Go <exactly>. figure. <laughs> really, wait a minute. Are you trying to tell us something here, Mr. Vatican? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's up with that. But, uh, you know, like uh, I'll leave it up to uh, the Pope to uh, answer that question one day. Uh, you know? <laughs> He'll give us disclosure. He'll be like, I'm going to disclose something. <laughs> like, okay. You know, like, yeah, my disclosure is that there's there's going to be no disclosure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Well, that's kind of like, uh, that's what I was telling Steve Bass. I was like, yeah, that's going to be a disclosure, no disclosure. And he's like, no, no, you'll see. There's yeah. going to be something big happening. And honestly, I, I mean, for decades, I've kind of like, 
I've looked at it, and I'm like, yeah, here we go again, disclosure. It's never going to mm-hmm. happen. But now I really do think well, the way we've experienced the last year and a half, you know, with the, the Kung mm-hmm. flu and, you know, the, the COVID-19 or the beer bug, whatever you want to call it, uh, you know, with, with the way the society has kind of shifted, I do think that is a natural progression of, okay, it's time for us to know more about what existence is. Forget about just the alien topic, but what existence is in general. Right. Uh, because, you know, existence, yeah. we've been lied to for a long time, uh, Nate, on this mm-hmm. uh, little planet. You know, from anything from when we were kids, and they told us, you got to be uh, good, or Santa Claus is not going to give you any gifts. Uh, to, you know, the mm-hmm. Bibles and, you know, the way they've misinterpreted a lot of the Bible. Because I do believe the Bible is a great historical book, if interpreted mm-hmm. correctly. If you use it for right. your own personal interpretation and you're a, a person who goes to church, for example, and you don't read it, you just hear it, and you're hearing somebody's mm-hmm. interpretation of the words, you're going to be in, in, indoctrinated and conditioned to believe that interpretation. And that's why you have all these separations of religions where, in reality, when you read, like, the Quran or the or Genesis or even, uh, you know, other works like the Hebrew uh, Bible or anything like that, mm-hmm. you know, they all have one common core. We come from God. Mm-hmm. It doesn't yeah. matter what it is. You know. exactly right. The the Prophet Muhammad, Jesus. In fact, Jesus is the most uh, quoted prophet after Muhammad in the Quran. So go figure. Mm-hmm. So when you look at, you know, certain aspects of religion, and really they're fighting for no reason because they all believe in the same entity. It's just everybody has their own way of getting to that entity, into that path. And I think that's what I think it could be that we actually are going to face this. Like, okay, all you religious people, this is what you believe, and we've let you believe this for centuries because, you know, there's been no other way. But this is what we now really know what's going on. And it deals with religion, it deals with UFOs, it deals with the afterlife, it deals with the cosmos, universe. It's all one package. Mm-hmm. And this is the way we're kind of experiencing it. I think that could be part mm-hmm. of it. That's kind of my hope because it would answer a lot of questions mm-hmm. and put a lot of things in perspective and not just open up a plot hole for a lot of other questions. Like, well, do aliens <laughs> believe in this or that? And now you're asking like a billion other questions where yeah, if, you, if you put it in, in that perspective, it all kind of like ties in nicely and makes perfect sense. We're all brothers and sisters, mm-hmm. no matter what cosmos you're in or what part of the cosmos mm-hmm. you're in. You're still a cousin of ours, you know? And I think that will yeah. make also the acceptance of alien life a little bit easier when you look at them as beings that are in, are possibly cousins of ours, uh, of humanity, mm-hmm. and not just like some creature from another world that's here to kill us. Because let's be honest, if they come from, like, say, Alpha Centauri or another galaxy somewhere, and they're able to make mm-hmm. it here, that means they, they got technology. Nine times out of ten, they're not going to be hostile aliens. They're going to be scientific in nature, spiritual perhaps, and maybe just out for a spin, maybe just trying to find out like what's going on in the rest of the universe like we are. You know, I don't think we're going to go to another yeah. planet and try to destroy it, for example. You know, we'll probably have the uh, the doctrine where we're, we'll observe, like the prime mm-hmm. directive in Star Trek, where we'll observe from, you know, outside. And then maybe interact when they're ready and leave it up to the society. Can you, yeah, and I'm afraid that in, in in the heights of man's arrogance, we'll find out we're the dumb one in the family. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It goes with the with the me my style like it, it goes with the me my style of uh, Toy Story. We have Buzz Lightyear, and he's like, 
looking at his console and his wrist, and he's like, looking for intelligent life. I still haven't found it. God forbid. God forbid, my friend. God forbid. We get there to, like, the council of planets or something, and we're like, oh, my God. We're the ones that are ignorant here. God, you know, like, we're the ugly cousin. Nobody wants to talk to you. Oh, shoot. But, uh, yeah, man, that's hilarious. You know, it, yeah, it, again, I, it, it does seem like we're rushing towards idiocracy in this planet when it comes to, like, our, our leaders, and, uh, and they don't seem to get very smart these days. Uh, no, no, we're, no. You know, we're, we're ruled you know, by, the, by the dumb class. Sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, man, yeah, and it's probably only going to get worse. I mean, look at my generation. We're eating Tide Pots. Oh, goodness. If that was if that was the worst thing that people are eating nowadays, you know, you realize, uh, yeah. and Nate, and this is gonna make you giggle a little bit. Uh, you ever bought a pair of shoes? Yes. Like everybody, right? You buy shoes all the time, right? You know, the little yeah. pack inside the shoes that are like they're, they're like oh, you know, look like a little salt pack, and it says this is yeah, this is not for eating. It has like little devil like or like bones things on, like some of them, like. You know the reason they put a disclaimer on there says do not eat this? It's because some idiot opened them and was like, oh, I wonder if this is a treat to come on my shoes. And they opened up and ate it and died. Because <laughs> there's always that idiot that does that. You know, that, oh my God. like yeah. the type pod. Oh, yeah. any... yeah. You know, when, when people start dropping out of, off of that, I'm like, of course, it makes sense. People are stupid. They do stupid things like that. I mean. I just can't believe it. I can imagine if you're like an alien from another planet and, you know, like you have technology that that's incredible and you're basically a god and <laughs> you look down and you see some dude like eh, i'm gonna do like a purple head school boy about that like, cool cool you know i'm gonna do like uh what's it uh type pods they put it in the mouth and chew it on camera <laughs> get lights it's like no man no no don't do that this but, a this yeah. a very this a very funny series you should check out it's called um resident alien yeah it just uh, it, it just i think ended its first season it's with um uh, uh, man, the, yeah, I forget his name. The Turley, yeah, I think his name. Somebody, he's a very good, good actor. Uh, but it, the show is about an alien that lands on Earth to destroy the planet, and he takes on the form of a human to stay here for a little bit until he's able to find a part of his ship that got lost, so he can destroy the planet. And in doing so, he falls in love with humanity, and he can't do it at the end, right? He can't kill the humans yeah. because he falls in love with us. But the part that is funny of the show is that when he's uh, taking over the body of the human that, you know, he's replacing on Earth to fool the humans while he's here, um, mm -hmm. Alan Turdick is an actor's name, Alan Turdick. Uh, while he's yeah. on Earth, the alien is very mm -hmm. stupid to our customs. So he's like a dumbass walking around the Earth. And a highly advanced species with all this technology, super intelligent and technology, <laughs> complete idiot when yeah. it comes to Earth. Uh, and, of course, that makes sense. You know, if we go to the planet, we're going to be, you know, idiots. But it would be funny if we are literally like the joke of the universe and we're like the dumbest of the dumb. That'd be that'd be that'd be really interesting. I mean, you know, like they they send a they send a representative from their universe to us, and then like he never returns. And they're like, "What happened?" Like, well, they found Netflix and yeah. uh, I don't know, In and Out Burger. And... Well, for this one, it was pizza. Like he was contemplating not destroying oh, yeah, the planet because yeah. of pizza. He was like, "I love pizza," I'd... and then he buys like forty cases of pizza to take with him, and he's like, "Oh, well." 
Yeah, I'll just turn the fan. I'll ration this out a little bit. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, he's like, well, right now he thinks he's a cowboy. We're not sure what to do. Yeah, um, <laughs> he's a big fan of Chuck Norris. We're not going to get him back. <laughs> you you got to watch the series. It's so good. It, again, okay. it's called Resident okay. Alien, and it's uh, absolutely hysterical. Alan Turdick is fabulous. He he was uh, the robot in Rogue One, Star Wars. Um, K2SO, mm-hmm. I think was the name of the, the robot. He did the voice. He's a great actor, uh, and, and it brings a lot of questions into into uh, into being like you know the intelligence of aliens, for example. You know, we always think that they're going to have all the answers. What if they don't? You know, what if you know? Yeah, they're scientifically advanced, but when they get here, they're like, uh, "Can you give us some pancakes and, and some uh, water?" You know, do we like pancakes? Seriously, you know? Yeah, the pet needs like love coaches. Yeah, and like relationship coaches, and oh. I know this has nothing to do with research, but it's hilarious, man. You know, like, oh, I'll be a motivational speaker for aliens. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you got like a religion and just have them pay me in technology and stuff. I would do it. I'd be like, just uh, show me, you know, the little phaser thing that erase people's memories. I can erase some memories of people that have besmirched me over yeah. the years. <laughs> a little, little men in black yeah. thing, like a little flashy thing the men in black use. I, I wonder if that uh, if there's any truth to that, the men in black. You know, going back to the ghostly activity, they've also been mm-hmm. cited when it comes to ghosts. And uh, men in black are not just, you know, alien, uh, you know, bound. I've heard of people mm-hmm. that have had ghostly encounters. They have seen men in black also. I mean, have you come across that as well? Yeah, Hitler was one of them. Oh, cool. Hitler was one of them. Yeah, right before he wrote Mein Kampf, he was in prison, and his prison cellmate said that uh, he was that, that Hitler was visited one night, and he would scream. This is coming from Jim Keith, I believe, and uh, screaming. And he said they're weird because they were. I guess uh, Hitler had told his cellmate that they're men in black. They're men in black, and he said that they're inhuman. They're strange. He was terrified. So, you know, that, that wow. does happen, and it's not abnormal. But, you know, it goes back to some of Dr. Barry Taft's work where we would have hauntings and UFO abduction going on at the same time. Or, you know, UFOs being spotted around the home that's haunted. So, it, you know, it, it, in my mind, a lot of this is universal. A lot of it is unified. And we just have to, to figure out what is and what isn't. And I think that's that's our job, you know. Yeah, no, I completely agree. So the book again is called A Moment, Ca- oh, a Moment Called Man, and uh, the and next one, uh, A Moment s- Called Man, and the next one's called what now? What, what's the name of the next book? Coming up? It's uh, the next one is The Skin That Crawls. The Skin That Crawls. And, uh, for, yeah, for those of you listening, you can go to my Instagram. You can follow me on Instagram and then pre-order it. Um, there's a link in my bio where you can go and pre-order it. And then what I'll do is I'll I'll send you out a signed copy once it's released. Oh, that see I'm gonna get that because I collect signed copies of books, so I'm definitely Ooh, there. I'm, I wasn't gonna sign my name to it. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're gonna put <laughs> Abraham Lincoln <laughs> to Angel Espingal, and I'm like, well, that's not even my yeah. last name. I'm Espino. Who's this Abraham Lincoln, and why is he writing in your book, Nathan? What's going on? Yeah, I did, I did sign it. I mean, I didn't say who. No, but you know, I'll definitely hook you up, and it's um, it's up for pre-order right now. Cool. And I I keep adding to it, and once I'm done, it's 
it's going to be as complete as I can make it. And I'm not, I'm not a perfectionist, but I don't want it to be shorthanded or anything. Right. Well, you, well, look at even George Lucas. You know how many times you went back and, and fixed Star Wars. So, you know, nobody's going to blame you for making it as good as possible. Now, I, I do want to have you back on when you have uh, the skin that crawls out because I want to go through the books and... And uh, you know, I have more questions when it comes to the books itself because we put it, you know, we put the interview together kind of on a short uh, time span. I wasn't able to get through the entire thing, but a moment called "Man" okay. and the skin that crawls uh, following mm-hmm. up. So as soon as that one's released, man, I gotta book you back on and have you back on. Now I know the website; okay. it's uh, www.njgillis.com. That yep. that's yep. your main I'm website, NJ Gillis. Yeah. So it's. Uh, Nathaniel J. Gillis, that's for the end. Uh, yeah, on Instagram and right. Facebook, and the website's njgillis.com. The website is down. I'm, I'm adding new things to it. Cool. Every so often, I'll take it down for a couple, two or three days and, and you know, update it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can pre-order the book on my Instagram. And, man, it's, it's really been an honor to be with you. It's been a it's been a real conversation. I enjoyed myself. Thank you. No, the honors and the pleasure is all mine, believe me. I, I like I've been looking forward to this for, you know, for a, a few days now since Michelle told me you want to get now Nathaniel on, on the on the on the show and I'm like, "Yeah." Are you kidding me? Like <laughs> I, and people yeah. and people don't you know think that I'm into the subject because I talk a lot about, you know, politics and in UFOs. <laughs> but the afterlife subject is fascinating to me because I've experienced it like I told you when we moved here to florida yeah first place we moved into was a, a paranormal home and i'll tell you, you know, the first time i saw keys move from one side of the table to another side of the table by themselves levitate in midair for a few seconds then fall dra- directly to the ground that's when i said <laughs> okay i'm dealing with something that i don't under- I do not understand here and that happened mm-hmm. to me when i was like around eight or nine when we moved into that to that house and th- th- this is a, a funny story uh nate and i'll let you go out soon after this but I'm sitting there. Mm-hmm. My mother's turned around. And her back is to me. She's making coffee. We're in the kitchen. I'm coloring in my, in my book, you know, like every kid does, coloring mm-hmm. book. And her keys were on the, on, on the side of the table, which was nearest the, to the wall. The, the table was next to a wall. And mm-hmm. the key started sliding slowly. And I look up, mm-hmm. and I see it sliding across the table. And mind you, the table wasn't wobbly, wasn't leaning one way or, in, or anything. It was just a very stable mm-hmm. table. Uh, and as it gets to the edge, it just stopped. And I'm frozen, like frozen in time, like what the heck is going on? And mm-hmm. then it slides a little bit more, and literally like most of the keys are like dangling in midair. I kid you not. Mm-hmm. And the other thing was on the table at that point, my mother had um, like a little ornament on the uh, end of her keychain, which was uh, like mm-hmm. some business that she had gone to, and she got like, you know, a little extension for her keychains. And it was kind of like a big plastic thing, and uh, she just had it on her keys. And I can't remember, I think it was like a card in it or something. But anyway, it was sitting there, and that was the only thing that was on the table. The heavier part, which was the keys, were floating. Next thing you know, it just mm-hmm. drops directly to the ground. Bam. And my mother wow. turned around, and she looked at me, and she's like, you're going to break my uh, the ornament on my keys. What are you doing? Stop playing with my keys. And I looked at her, and I was like, Mommy, that wasn't me. In my innocent mind, I didn't know what it was. You know, I, I had no mm-hmm. answer for it. And she thought I was, you know, lying because she hadn't experienced anything at this point. Remember, I'm the first one started seeing things. And mm-hmm. she was like, oh, stop lying to me. There's nothing going on. You're just messing with me and yada, yada, yada. Next thing you know, she turns around and the coffee starts, like, going crazy. Like, you know, it starts burning our coffee. <laughs> and she had just put the coffee in. 
So there's no yeah. reason for the coffee to start like spraying out like the way it was, you know. And she starts freaking out about that. She's like, look what you made me do. The coffee's not spilling. And she, I got blamed for everything, mind you. And what I think was just I, I, we had a, a mischievous uh, entity in the house just messing with me. And uh, mm -hmm. it kept doing that over and over. My brother one night was screaming, and he had a room right next to mine. And he was mm -hmm. screaming like crazy. And I get up from bed, and I walk through the, uh, you know, to the next room right next door. And I hear mm -hmm. the TV in the living room going off and on. You could hear, like, you know, just, like, the voices you know, from the TV, and then it would shut off. Hear mm -hmm. it, and then shut off. And I hear my brother screaming. I open the door, and as soon as I open the door, the lights turn on by themselves. And I saw the cover that he was under, which looked like it was, like, holding him down. It, like, lifted off of his body. Mm -hmm. And I was also he lifted, like, maybe, oh like, God. a couple inches off of his body, and he, like, jumped out of the bed, ran out of the room, ran out of the mm -hmm. house, didn't come back for two weeks. He ran into his, like, literally, like, this kid ran, like, three blocks down to his girlfriend's house. That's how fast <laughs> he exited out of the house. Like, his, he had just got a girlfriend a few weeks before. She lived a few blocks down. He ran right towards her house, and it was, like, 2 in the morning. He wouldn't come back home for like two weeks. That relationship got serious quick, didn't it? Yeah, like, hey, real baby, quick. He, he's like, I'll sleep in your backyard if you want me to. I just don't want to go home. <laughs> Put me in the tool shed. I don't care. Yeah. I remember going through something similar, and it's it's not fun. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny because I, I often, when I've told that story, people are like, oh, come on, you're lying. And I'm like, really? Check this mm -hmm. out. And ironically enough, before my mom passed away in 2015, we had a family get-together. And mm -hmm. I brought the subject up. And I was recording, you know, like a conversation we're all having with the family and stuff. Just random, you know, talk. And this was in Spanish because we're, you know, we're Latinos. And mm -hmm. I go, to, uh, you guys remember when we lived in the haunted house? Just to see if they uh, jogged their memory, right? And they went mm -hmm. right into it. All I had to do was ask. And my mother was like, oh, yeah, we used to see the cabinets, you know, open up. And and then my brother started getting into some of the stories, stuff that happened to him. And I showed that video to anybody who doesn't believe me. And they're like, oh, my God, this is true. Because my mother is in the video talking about it. And she's passed. Mm -hmm. So it's not like I'm, you know, saying something that I get to be like, hey, mom, lie for me. You know, right. this is right. totally right. random. And uh, people tend to believe when they see things like that more than just hearing it from me. So I, I've showed that video often to friends, and they become believers because of that over the last four years. Mm -hmm. And, uh, again, you know, I do think that there is a connection to all that. And I think we are brought to this earth uh, with abilities that, you know, we often suppress. And I think seeing mm -hmm. afterlife apparitions is one of them. Once we leave that childhood stage, we suppress that somehow. Uh, and, and, uh, unless you're supposed to develop maybe that, that extra sense. Uh, also, I think, mm -hmm. don't girls get, you know, the ability a little bit easier than boys? Because I know a lot of girls when they're in their teenage years have a lot mm -hmm. of activity that follows them. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. And that's that's where a lot of your incubi cases come from. Right. Yeah, that's a whole nother. Yeah, that's another show. Yeah, that's another whole show right there. The yeah. Incubus guys. It's, oh man, that's for for those who are not aware. Tell the audience real quick what the Incubus is. Uh, the Incubus is a spirit that appears to a woman with the intent of sexual intercourse. Yes. <laughs> and um, I'm working with uh, 
uh, more than one woman right now where the entity is leaving semen samples. Mm. Um, which Father Sinestro Vimino uh, encountered too in his research, and Montague Summits for that matter. And so the, the purpose of an incubus is not just intercourse, it's to impregnate the woman. And uh, I've had other women that have contacted me and said, you know, they were listening to my show or a show I've done um, while they're driving to work. And then when I mention how these entities will get offended, or they'll leave the woman alone once they have a hysterectomy. Mm. They, I've had women say, I've had to pull off the highway and cry because that's exactly what's happened to them. So, it, so that, like, it sounds like Jesus, the incubus. It sounds, yeah, there's, there's a game here going on, man. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not trivializing it. I'm just saying that, that they're playing by different rules because they're playing by a different, they're playing a different game. So yeah. that'll be a whole other show, which that'll be even more intense than anything we got into tonight. I definitely, promise definitely. Well, we're going to have to have you back on soon, man. Unfortunately, we're out of time here. Okay. Uh, it's been a it's pleasure. Good. Again, the website is njgillis.com. And the book mm-hmm. is called A Moment Called Man. And the follow-up is called The Skin That Crawls. And again, mm-hmm. once that book is out and I go through them, I want to have you back on because I love having you on, man. You're awesome. Okay. Not a problem, buddy. I appreciate it, man. Thank, Thank you, you so, so much, guys. You guys have a good night. Thank you so much for being here with us. And uh, guys, we're going to go ahead and uh, call it an evening. We have uh, Mitchell Nicholas Gerber coming up in a, a little bit here on the uh, network. And uh, he's going to be live talking about the full-on gong China and the organ harvesting that's been going on there. Interesting stuff by itself. I know uh, Nate here probably have a whole lot to talk about when it comes to organ, organ harvesting and uh, the, the 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 evil that uh, man does to itself, which uh, I think is one of the reasons why we're kind of stuck in this purgatory, my friend, because uh, we do a lot of evil until we get that weeded out of this world. Uh, this this is going to persist. Uh, but uh, stick around for that, guys. That's going to be coming up in a few minutes here on the network. Uh, like always, it's been a pleasure of mine to have uh, this time with you and enjoy your Easter Sunday for all of you who enjoy the extra Easter on Monday. Have a good time. Stay safe. Uh, stay sound. Stay alive. And stay COVID-19 free. Most important in our day and age, stay in good health. Good night, everybody. Take care. And Nate, Nate, thank you so much for being here with me again, man. You're awesome. Not a problem, buddy. Likewise, man. You have a good night now. Take care, everybody. Till next time. Bye.